All right, welcome to the Manny Podcast, episode 31. Woohoo! And uh, we're getting back to Divine Conspiracy Talk today. Yay. Yeah. <clears throat> Our favorite. I think this is part two of chapter one. There might be many parts. But stick around, it's going to be great. Yeah, there might have to be like 400 parts. Lots of parts. You're going to like it. Woo! All right, buddy. So we're back and after it again. Sort of where we left off in the last go round. So we got sort of up to the introduction of Jesus as uh, the one who invites us into something better than what the world has to offer for us. Getting into like a world historical force, that's where we were. We, we sort of stopped with that we are becoming who we will be forever. Yeah. And uh, like the genie's out of the bottle, the rocket's already taken off. Nobody can stop this process. Yeah. So uh, this, is, this is real, this is happening, this is real life. And we've all been invited. Yeah. So when Jesus came on the scene... You know, 2,000 years ago in Israel, he came and, and he, was, he was proclaiming a few things. And so that's what we're getting into. And that's what Willard's getting into. Um, so he kind of states this, that there's this pilgrimage we're invited to take into the heart and life of God. He says, no person or circumstance other than our own decision can keep us away. Whosoever will may come. But the problem that everybody's facing is over-familiarity with that invitation. He says this, people think they have heard the invitation. They think they have accepted it or rejected it, but they have not. The difficulty in our day is to hear the invitation at all. Is that true? Have you seen that to be true? Yeah, for a fact. Me too. That's why I stopped and asked you the question. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, what would you say that was? What, what, did you become over-familiar when you were growing up in the nonprofit organization formerly known as a church? Was there a point in time when you were like, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I remember being, there was times growing up in the nonprofit organization formerly known as a church where, like, it seemed very, there was an over-familiarity with, with the gospel or the invitation of Jesus to uh, take a pilgrimage <laughs> into the heart of God. But then there were times when it was actually pretty, and that was like, we're coming up on those seasons, like, you know, like Christmas yeah. time and like where it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome, you know, right. where it seemed like there were moments in there where the invitation was, was not over familiarized in my own heart. Like there were times in, in worship when everything's were good, but for the most part, it was a, uh, it was most definitely like that, you know? Yeah. And I just, 
in taking my own notes, kind of said, like in the Bible Belt, which is where we are, we've only grown up in the Bible Belt in Texas, everyone is familiar with the name of Jesus. Right. And everyone's familiar with the gospel. However, all remains the same. Yeah. Why? And this message is quite familiar to billions of people. However, humanity, for the most part, still lives in a far country, is what Willard says. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's familiar, but we still live in a far country. Yeah. We still seem like our daily lives are separated from Jesus because they, in effect, they are due to this over-familiarity that we think or this, like, powerless gospel that we've been given. Yeah. I think that's, for our context, like, that's the thing that I saw the most and continue to see is, like, there's zero... Like, I can go to church building and I can do that stuff, but what's the point? Like, nothing changes. Right. Nothing changes in my life. Nothing changes in my heart. Nothing changes in my community. I can go serve in a soup kitchen. Nothing changes. I can go, you know, I can, like, it's, it's, it's all still far off to me. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. that, whenever, whenever that's the approach and that's the experience, yeah, I mean, we sort of um, become over-familiar. Yeah. It's just something you do. Like, yeah. you, you go to church building on a Sunday morning because that's what you do. That's what you do, yep. And, you know, you've mentioned it before about some of your coworkers, like, sort of making the statements that I've heard a lot, but you're here all the time, where it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe I grew up in going to this or, like, went with my grandparents, but, like, I don't do that anymore. You right. know, like, I, like the, the, the explanation for not being a Christian is I don't go to a church building. Right. You know, like... But in the explanation of it, it was just like, it was, that was the tradition of their household. Like they just yeah. went because that's what they did. That's what they did. Yeah. And that was termed as Christianity. And that can become right. over familiar, ever familiar yeah. to a person, which can, which can lead to contempt, which is what Yeah, which Willard can says. lead to unfamiliarity. You know? Yeah. Um, or over familiarity. And again. Then goes to yeah. unfamiliarity. Like that's where suspected unfamiliarity and then contempt, <laughs> and that's totally true. Like, yeah, it doesn't take much like discussion to right. actually flesh out the fact that you see that all around you all the time. Yeah. If you're actually eyes open to this stuff, like yeah. this is the story of everybody. Yeah, um, where we live, but like, and and Willard just says again, going back, like intelligent effectual entry into this life is currently obstructed by clouds of well intention misinformation <laughs> yeah like and he speaks of jesus's name being constantly invoked yeah you know mm -hmm. and man like i just wrote down don't we see this all the time like you and i terrell saw this all the time as cops oh yeah all the time everyone is more than willing to put jesus name on their day or activities the walls but it's an incredible yeah it's incredibly meaningless yeah i mean it definitely has no, it's definitely powerless, for sure. So, I mean, you walk in, a, we would walk into people's houses all the time as cops who would have, Christian you know, Christian Jeremiah Christian. 29, 11 on the wall. And as for me, my house will serve the Lord, Joshua 1, 2. And all of these Bible quotes, all these slogans. Yeah. 
which is what they were being used for. There was like, like what it says, it was a cute and clever way to say you were a Christian. But what happened? We ended up, we ended up taking one or the other or both out in handcuffs because they were beating the, you know what, out of each other. Yeah, for sure. And like, there was zero, like zero evidence, evidence, and like zero fruit of a life that had been transformed or of a life that had been just one who took up effectual entry into the kingdom. Yeah. Something along the way was was removing their their uh, opportunity to enter. So we saw that all the time as police officers. Yeah. Where folks would do that type of a thing. And that, it's easy for me to understand how that would lead to familiarity, then over-familiarity, yes. which would then breed contempt for the gospel or for like a life that is designed around uh, participation inside of a nonprofit organization formerly known as a church. Like eventually, if nothing's freaking working, like you're going to come to hate the thing. Yep. And the children of those who are to do her there are going to um, see through that at yes. some point. And then they're going to think that they're going to think that they have rejected the invitation. Right. But the problem, and this is, this is Willard nails it, man. Like, but they haven't rejected it. Like they've rejected the nonprofit organization formerly known as the church. Yeah. But they haven't actually rejected the invitation that Jesus is giving. Right. Um, they haven't rejected Jesus himself. They've just rejected a system that has put his name on the walls. Correct. You know? And, I mean, that was incredible. I just remember being baffled and frustrated as a cop. Yeah. By that experience, which was a nightly experience. It was, yeah, it was, it wasn't a here and a there. It was a dad gum near, like, solidly 70 to 80 to 90% of the time. I mean, it was every night. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty much, basically, yeah, I would say probably 70 to 80% of the domestic violence yeah. cases that we had or calls that we had that we ended up arresting somebody on happened inside of a house with a whole bunch of propaganda on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was almost a direct correlation between the, the amount of violence and the amount of <laughs> yeah. Christian paraphernalia. Paraphernalia, yeah. For which sure. is all it was. Yep. You know, it's just paraphernalia. I mean, it sounds harsh to say that, but it's true. It just, hey, well, you know. Well, it clearly has no actual power for the situation or their life, you know, like not a not one that's yep. usable. And Well, that's what Willard says, like effectual entry. Yes. Into the kingdom. Like intelligent, effectual entry is currently obstructed by clouds of well-intentioned misinformation. Yeah. And what's funny, dude, and like not funny, and but sad is that, I mean, I would say that for most people who sit out in an audience at a nonprofit organization formerly known as a church, they're just getting a lot of well-intentioned misinformation. Yep. Well-intentioned misinformation. Yep. So, in fact, there was a, I, we'll, we'll make it a nameless church building. Mm-hmm. But there was a specific church building in the place where we policed. And if you know where we policed, and maybe you can deduce this information on your own. <laughs> that we would arrest, literally would arrest people almost on a nightly basis. And 
their the uh, the pictures that they would take inside the sheriff's office where they were getting booked into jail for a crime they had committed was a shirt that emblazoned the theme of the church building. And it's... <laughs> oh, like, I, you can't make this up. No, and it happened so much. I mean, it, it happened... Nuts. It happened a lot. And it happened basically... Like we said, like statistically so much that it was, it was shocking. Like you would be shocked by it. And these people, these people were church, quote unquote, church members at this place. Yeah. And they would be like, they would unashamedly pronounce that they were. Uh Uh-huh. And that's the, that's, that's what Willard is saying here is that that's the kind of thing that is proof that Jesus's message and invitation just hasn't ever been heard. Right. It hasn't received a hearing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not so much that it's been tried and found wanting. Right. It's, like Chesterton said, it's been found very difficult, therefore never tried. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the truth. And, you know... Willard's going to go on to say it's actually it's actually kind of in a shocking thing as well, where he says you know, the whole slogans and things like you know, um, uh, Christians aren't perfect; they're just forgiven. Just forgiven. And there was a slogan to that effect that these people were wearing on their shirts mm-hmm. while they were getting their mug shots for for beating their wives within an inch of their lives. Yeah. No perfect people allowed. Remember that? Yeah, I remember it. You probably figured out the church building we're talking about by that slogan, if you're familiar yeah. with where we were and all that. It was just, it was, it was heartbreaking and a little bit, it made us a little mad. Yeah. You know, cause it was like, man, nobody who's up there on the stage who's getting paid to, to, to throw out this well-intentioned misinformation, even freaking knows that, that their quote unquote church members are getting thrown in jail at a pretty large fast clip. Yeah. For for pretty violent, vicious, nasty stuff. And why on earth is this not even registering? Yeah. You know? Anyway, that's we I, I would say Willard pretty much nails the reason why. The reason why is because it's the invitation into um the heart and life of God is that like it the the difficulty today is to even hear it at all. And and people think they've heard it, they think they've accepted it or rejected it, but they just haven't. Like they yeah. haven't actually heard it. And that's what we'll get into next is like what, what this actually is, you know? Yes. And um, it's really important. Um, but I'll say one more thing. Like I love how Willard points out, he says, our usual gospels, and that's in quotes, are in their effects, dare we say it, nothing less than a standing invitation to omit God from the course of our daily existence. Mm. So true. That's another drop the mic moment by Willard. And I think that's particularly an important piece of, like an important sentence. Because he says, like, our usual gospels are either, um, they, they either speak of preparing to die, like going to heaven when we die, or, uh, concerning correcting social practices and conditions. Yeah. Like, these are the usual quote unquote gospels. These are the usual things that Jesus's name is put on 
and are masquerading as the great invitation. Yeah. But they're not, you know? Yeah. And in and of themselves, those two things are, you know, they're important things, but they're just not the actual invitation. And if you look at the effect of those two Gospels, you see that the effects aren't good. No. They're not changing anybody or anything. No. And that should point you in the right direction, which is, wow, well, then they're not, like, they're either, like, either Jesus is powerless or what people are saying in Jesus' name isn't true. Right. Like, those are the two conclusions you should draw. Yep. And what Willard is saying is that, and what we are totally, wholeheartedly behind and what we've seen to be true is it's the latter. It's the yep. people haven't actually heard the gospel at all. Yeah. And they haven't uh, received a effectual entry to the kingdom because they've been completely obliterated by well-intentioned misinformation. And... They've become over-familiar with that misinformation, and then that over-familiarity has grown into contempt in their heart. And they yep. either walk away from that system, or they're still within the system in some weird, magical way, hoping that yeah. when they die, they might have something good at the other end of it. Yeah, And that's just not the invitation, folks. It's no. not the freaking gospel. It's not it. And um, all that's done is is left people with the ability to omit God from the course of their daily life. Yeah. And that is where Willard says, like, no one, it, it, it's scary because no one stopped to consider the huge discrepancy between the daily life of, like, the early Christians, the people who heard Jesus' message and responded to it, and ours. Yeah. You know? So you'll get people that say, oh, well, you know, maybe that power was just for a time. Or, yeah, You know, yeah. the spiritual gifts only were around when the apostles were alive. Yeah. Like, some weird explanation. Mm -hmm. People are trying to explain why our, our daily life sucks so bad. Yeah. And, and they completely make <clears throat> up weird explanations for why there's no power in their life. Yeah. And, but it's just not true. Like, right. And, and that's the problem. Like, it's cringeworthy. And this is some of the notes I took. How many weak and powerless and meaningless things we do in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Like, it's when you stop to think about it, it's like, <laughs> it dang near makes you, like, ashamed. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Oh, yeah. For, for like, sure. You know, like, geez, man. It's just. Yeah, how much of what we spend our time, energy, attention, and resources on just end up ultimately, like Paul says, like this stuff's going to get tested by fire, and you can already see it's not going to last that test. Correct. So, like you've you're you may escape that. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, like you might still be saved in the end, but at the end of it, like you'll lose everything you did up to that point, and that, like, so why don't you just stop and reflect on it? Reflect on what's going on, and yeah, and try to make an actual. Uh, decision, you know, right, and and what Willard says, like more than likely, the explanation for why we've seen all this and what we've just said, more than likely, the explanation is that we just currently don't understand who Jesus is and what Jesus brings. Yeah, for sure, who he is and what he brings. Yeah, we just don't understand it. Right, that's the most likely explanation for why we see the world the way it is. Yeah, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you, like this, like this little bit of you know, uh, from the invitation, the first, 
few paragraphs, God's desire for us is that we should live in him. He sends us, he sends among us the way to himself. That shows what in his heart of hearts, God is really like, indeed, what reality is really like. In its deepest nature and meaning, our universe is a community of boundless and totally competent love. God makes himself in his kingdom available, not in every way human beings have imagined, surely, but in a simple way, in a way that, paradoxically, is quite familiar to billions of people and that millions more have heard about. Paradoxically, because though multitudes have heard about this way and even insist upon its rightness, humanity, for the most part, still lives in a far country. Yes. 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 And I think in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit more about this because it's, it's super important. Yeah. I could feel it's more important. So stick with us. We're going to talk a little more about this. So we're back, and I'm just going to read this because Willard poses a question. He says, does Jesus only enable me to make the cut when I die or to know what to protest or how to vote or agitate and organize? That's, does, is that, is that the thing? Like, is that what Jesus is, is that what the gospel produces in its effects? Right. Does it produce me to make the cut? You know, is the gospel merely concerning life after death? Or is the gospel merely concerning how to vote right. or what to protest? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or how to agitate and organize. Like, and Muller points those things, those two specific things out because those are the predominant ineffectual quote unquote gospels that the majority of us are familiar with. Right. You know, like that's, <clears throat> and that's a problem because that's not the invitation. Right. And I love this, man. I love this. What this is this is Willard. We're just gonna keep quoting directly from the book. Yeah, for sure. What social or political arrangements, however important in their own right, can guide and empower me to be the person I know I ought to be? <laughs> can anyone now seriously believe that if people are only permitted or enabled to do what they want, they will be happy? Or more disposed to do what is right? That is... Uh, yeah. What political or social arrangements can guide and empower me to be the person I know I ought to be? Yeah. Zero. None. Yeah. No. That's no. the answer. Yeah. So everybody out there who wants to make a big fuss about how they vote or who the president of the United States is or any of these things. The, the question that you should ask yourself when you're making that big of a fuss about it is, is your political affiliation making you the person you ought to be? Yeah. About to say, is your heart becoming good because of that? <laughs> and is that, and is that, see, that's the problem, man, is that that's, I mean, have we not, Jesus has had to lead us down this road and this, and see, here's the thing, everybody. No, nothing is, nothing's exempt from that test. Nothing is. Correct. Like you, every bit of your life. Should be. Should that, be. That should be the litmus test for everything that you're every doing. Every single bit of it. Because man, that's the problem. The problem, and this is what's so brilliant about this book and about how Willard was able to articulate this. And we'll get into, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but yeah, he gets yeah. into the whole point of like, 
everybody in their deepest, like in the depths of their being, understand that they 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 want to matter. Yeah. You know, like they they know that there's something they were made for, and there's this destiny they have that they just have zero clue how to get there. Yeah. And so everybody will attach significance to certain things on this earth, certain human institutions, certain things as a means to that end, and it will come up lacking every time. Yeah. And then they're confused, and then they get contempt, and then there's all these things, like they, because it's, they just don't understand why their life isn't happening the way that they know deep down it could possibly happen. Right. And, and so that's what's brilliant about this is like just take a step back and if, if your hopes and dreams are hanging on the outcome of the 2020 presidential election or the House of Representatives, the, the midterm elections for Congress, I hate to break it to you. But yeah, you know, you you're it's not the outcome of that election is not the cause or the effect of who you are at this moment. No, you are becoming who you will become forever, forever. at this moment. Yeah, your life is designed in this moment to create the to produce the fruit that you are seeing. And if you don't have lasting joy or peace or any of these unseen uh, priceless gifts of God, the real explanation and the real blame has nothing to do with right. political arrangements or social arrangements like, or, or a lack of freedom yeah. or any of these things that you, you could, you could try to say, no, you aren't who you ought to be because you haven't figured out the way to become who you ought to be. Right. And if you are discounting the gospel because you believe that that's not a way to become who you ought to be, what Willard is saying and what we are agreeing with is that the problem is you haven't actually heard it. Yeah. You know, like you think you might have accepted or rejected it, but you haven't. You haven't. You know, yeah. you've, you've accepted or rejected the, the, uh, standing invitation to omit God from the course of your daily existence that is offered to you at a nonprofit organization formerly known as a church or right. a synagogue or a, a mosque or wherever, whatever yeah. you're saying. I mean, it's all, if there's no power in it, then it's all the same bull crap. Yep. You know? Yep. But, <laughs> but what it goes on to say, but just think how unlikely it would be that this great world historical force Jesus called Christ could have left the depths of moment to moment human existence untouched while accomplishing what he has. And what's the current, what's, what's the conclusion? More than likely, we just currently do not understand who he is and what he brings. Because mm. it's incredibly unlikely and it's incredibly false to say that Jesus left the depths of moment to moment human existence untouched. Yeah. And that's most people's experience. Yeah. Most people's experience, including ours in a lot of ways, were yes. the kind of, it was the kind of relationship with the divine that was the one where the deepest parts of us on a daily basis were left, quote unquote, untouched. But that's not 
that wasn't Jesus. Right. That was that was us putting our faith in faith. That was yeah. us putting our faith in a political or social arrangement. Right. Or in a job. Or in a girl. Yeah. Or in a French you know what I mean? Like yeah. you could throw it anywhere you want to go. Yeah, with for it. sure. But stop we had to stop blaming Jesus for that. Because oh, yeah. it had nothing to do with Jesus. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's what's so helpful about this. Totally. So helpful. And that's what's beautiful, man. And that's where we can we can go in the next segment. Um, well, I'll just tip, put a little, I'll just say a few more of the notes I have on this little spot. But yeah. I just wrote down, there's no doubt in my mind our generation suffers from a lot of well-intentioned misinformation. You know? Yeah. And the problem is that most, most people explain away the lack of power and meaning in our day at large and in our daily lives as Jesus's inability. Yeah. You know, like, and we talked about it briefly. Like I've actually heard of people saying that, you know, oh, well, miracles or, you know, the changing of a life and a heart, like that was for that time. Yeah. You know, that just doesn't happen anymore. And that is just a real sad conclusion because it's not true. You know, yeah. it's just not true. And we are to trust in Jesus for those moment-to-moment uh, daily things. And that's where everything begins. Yes. You know, and this is what's beautiful is that Willard gets into, so why on earth, like, why, why is Jesus still a thing then, you know? Like, yeah. if in our life he's been uh, essentially rejected, right? you know, quote-unquote rejected by a lot of people or accepted by a lot of people and there's nothing that's really changing like why is there this like why why is he still relevant at all yeah and this is where this is what's exciting man he gets into the enduring relevance of jesus yeah you know and we can go there next yeah for sure (laughs) so why is jesus still relevant the answer is Because he's proven himself to be able to speak, to heal, and to empower the human condition. Nothing would or does in the least bit hinder Jesus' ability to grant to you or me the eternal kind of life, which is his by nature. He comes where we are and he brings us the life we hunger for. When we surrender to him, our human life is not destroyed by God's life but is fulfilled in it and in it alone. Like those, that's just, I think that that's an important statement because a lot of the misinformation out there regarding the life that Jesus is inviting us into is one that is like where, you know, Like all of this, like the changes that are made are like, are not changes for the better, you know? Right. That the things that Jesus does are not things that are, are, you know, 
yeah, the, just the, the changes that he would make in our hearts and our lives just are not changes that make things better. And that's just not true, you know? Right. Like our human life is not destroyed by God's life, but it's fulfilled in it, in it alone. It's actually fulfilled yeah. by his life. Um, yeah, and he's relevant because the, the things that we want and the, and the changes that we need um, on the deepest levels, he, alone's, he alone is able to do that. There's nothing yeah. else. No social arrangement, no political arrangement, no president, you know, yep. no, no Congress, no job, no relationship. None of those things are able to speak, to heal, and to empower the human condition. Right. You know, they just aren't able to do it. Right. And so Jesus comes where we are and he brings us the life we hunger for. And that's just, that is the truth. Like whoever hears that, like you're either going to have to, like you've heard it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. you're either going to have to say that everything that we're talking about at this point forward is just patently false. Well, good luck with that. Yep. You know, I mean, like, how's that going to work out for you? Yep. And I mean, I think that you and I can totally attest to the truth that when we surrender to him, like our life is finally fulfilled in God's life and yeah. Jesus's life in the resurrection. It's not destroyed in anything that that is put aside or repented of or put off are things that are things that just it's not even that dramatic it's just kind of like yeah well yeah why the heck was i holding on to that to begin with like yeah it's not like it did anything to cause me to be the man i ought to be right or the woman i ought to be like in fact it was probably just getting in the way right and now that we've surrendered to jesus and to his abilities you know all of this has changed has changed for the better, mm. you know, and uh, and and Willard says suddenly when you surrender to him, you find that you're flying right side up mm. <laughs> in a world that actually makes sense now. Right, he alone is able to do that. Um, yeah, I mean. That's just, about to say, it's pretty I spectacular. I mean, yeah. and, and, and he points out a few things that I just took notes on. Like he's, the divine isn't pushy, you know, nope. like, and that the, the truth of that has just been incredibly, I mean, I can just say yes and amen to that, man. Right. You know? Like he doesn't, you know, there's that prophecy in Isaiah about the Messiah who's Jesus, like he doesn't raise his voice in the streets. Like there's no, um, a bruised reed. He doesn't break a smoldering wick. He doesn't quench, you know, like, mm -hmm. and the beautiful thing about the truth of that statement of Jesus is that the reason why he doesn't do those things is that he doesn't have to do those things. Correct. Like to be the King and to be the most powerful, most intelligent man who ever lived 
and to be the one who's created everything we see and don't see and sustains everything we see and don't see. Like, if you have that kind of power, you don't have to raise your voice. Right. You know? Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be a pushy king. Like you don't have to do that. And that's the truth, man. Like, if you're out there and, and you know, you, you like, he's, he's not going to, like, he's not going to force his life into your life. Like, he's just not going to do that. Right. And he's so good that he doesn't have to do that. No. <laughs> I mean, and that's all, that's all we would challenge anybody to do is be like, hey, Malika, take him up out of the word, you know, see what happens. Yeah. More than likely, you're going to, you'll never regret it. Like, um, and we just hunger for this significance, you know, which is where Willard goes. He's just like, we, every one of us desires and hungers for this significance. Um, even in the teeth of a, of a broader culture that is so insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> like, is flying upside down is bickering and fighting is, you know, in our day, as we speak right now, spending all of our tax dollars on trying to impeach a president and do all this stuff that doesn't matter. It's right. insignificant. We still on a daily basis, if we want to get down to it, if we want to get really truthful about it, we hunger and desire for significance. And we can see, we can look out at our culture and look out at the leaders, quote unquote, of our culture and of all these things. And we can say like, where in the world are we going to find it? Like, this is mm -hmm. a bunch of crap. And, but if we, but we still hunger for it. And Jesus is inviting us into meaning and responsibility. Yep. And the culture is inviting us into meaninglessness and irresponsibility. Right. <laughs> and you're going to have a, you have a choice to make ultimately. Like which, which invitation are you going to go with? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like our hunger for significance is a signal of who we are and why we are here. Right. And it is also the basis of humanity's enduring response to Jesus. For he always, I love this, man. I'm going to quote, this is from Willard, man. This is it. He always takes individual human beings as seriously as their shredded dignity demands. And he has the resources to carry through with his high estimate of them. Yeah. No, I love, for me, man, the thing that cries out in my like depth when I read that and I've read it over and over again and have thought about it is the fact that it says he has the resources yeah. to carry through with his high estimate of us, of me, you know, yeah. can make this incredibly personal. Like, and this is something Eldridge talks about in way of the wild heart and in all his stuff. Like we have a father who, loves us so much and has like he he's the one who will resource this journey into greater life right and man you know that's that is the 
gosh, it's just so hard. I wish I could articulate the, the, like the power and love behind, behind that. The invitation that Jesus gives to all of us today, no matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, is an invitation into the life of God, into a life of, of, of significance and meaning and responsibility. Um, and, and all along the way, like those things are ever increasing and they will be all that we need to become the men and women that we were designed and destined to be, he will, he will give to us. Yeah. That's, isn't that a better invitation? I don't know if anybody, like, have you, maybe out there, like, have you heard that? Because right. there you go. Yep. There's the gospel. Yeah. You know? And, like, that is just, that stirs me up. Even, at, like, there's no over-familiarity leading contempt in my heart for that message. Yeah. Like, none. In fact, you know, I just see scenes of, like, of just wilderness and wildness and, like, strength and beauty. And, and all of that comes to my mind and heart when I hear that. Yeah. Like, is that, is that true? Is that possible? Right. And that's the invitation. And that's what... I just wrote, man, and this is where we can end. Like, we have no proof of anything or anyone else who's able to carry us through our lives in any significant way. Right. Other than Jesus. Like, he's it. We were built to count. <laughs> and like Willard says, we are placed in a specific context to count in ways no one else does. That is our destiny. And only Jesus is able to carry us through. Yes. So you can put your hope and your faith in social arrangements or political arrangements or elections or education, universities, jobs, relationships, men, women, whatever. Are they able to, is there, is, is, are they able to make things count? Is that, is that doing for you what you know at the depths you were meant to do? You know, like, if that's the case, then you don't have to listen anymore. I don't really have anything else. You know, you don't, we have nothing to offer you. Right. But if it's not, which it's not, <laughs> then what is the answer? The answer is Jesus is the one who is able, who, have, who has the resources, who has the power. I have to... I just got to, you need power. You need power. You need authority to get, to change your life and to move you in the direction that at the deepest level of your heart and soul, you feel you were made to go. You, you, but you can't do it. And nothing that human beings can come up with and have come up with, no, no social or political arrangements are, are able. And you know that's true. We know it's true. Where's the power? Where's the authority? Where are the resources? Where's the love? And Jesus came to... Jesus arrived on the scene. That's where we are next. He arrived on the scene to proclaim one thing. And what did he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's where we'll end it. Yep. 
kingdom of God is at hand. That's the message. What does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that next time. Next time. I know you love everybody out there. Yeah, love you. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye.